boys. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> morning, everybody. So, hey, let's say good morning to our friends in the family room. Good to see you guys over there. Nice to see you. Yeah, Steve Wright. Nice to see you. Make sure things are good. All right, good. All right. Hey, so um, next, not today. Oh, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Can you do that backup thing? Thank you. Uh, two weeks from this weekend, we're going to celebrate Lakeside's 28th anniversary. Woo! So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. It means, that means Lakeside's been around a long time, and that means I've been around a long time. In fact, I realized a, a little while ago that I have now been at Lakeside Church for half of my life. I uh, know, which makes me 42. Do the math. That's crazy. <laughs> or, or so, something like that. And so... Uh, I was running yesterday, I'm getting ready for this marathon in November, and I was running with a friend of mine, Jason, yesterday, and we, we ran down Natoma Street in Old Folsom, and, he, and he, we ran past our old church building, Lakeside's old facility, and he, he points at it, he goes, hey, look, there's your old building. I said, whoa, 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 time out. I said, how long have you been at Lakeside? I said, didn't, didn't you come and join us when we were in that building? He goes, yeah, but only like five or six times. I'm like, look, as soon as you buy in to be a Lakesider, you get the whole history. You're part of the whole deal, not just the little piece that you've been part of so far. It's the whole deal. And uh, that's true with all of us. And sometimes the temptation, I think, when you have been in a place for a long time and you've been on a long run with you know, one group of people or one place or whatever, the stories of the past are so enticing, it's so tempting to look back and go, well, God did this, and God did that, and, and after a while, all your stories are past stories, and I don't want that to be true of us. I believe the things that God wants to do in the next 28 years are as great as or greater than the things that He's done in the first 28 years, and so we want to turn the page and look forward. So today is Vision Weekend. This is Vision Weekend. We're going to talk about where God has us, where we're heading, those kinds of things, and to set us up for that journey, uh, for about the last year, the three of us have been sharing together in a conversation about what it would look like to bring John Bowles back onto our team. John was with us many years ago and then left us, and uh, we all got mad at him then. And then uh, I think the Lord was just kind of knocking on all of our door, and we started talking about this idea of well, what would it like to, to have John come back and join us, and Sean and I were already teaming up together, but... What would it look like then if the three of us started to share leadership together and I would set aside my lead pastor hat and title and business cards and say, I'm one of the pastors, but I'm sharing that leadership role with these guys. And some of you have asked as we've, as we've kind of rolled that out over the last several weeks and months, some of you have asked, you know, hey, Pastor Brad, is this your exit strategy? Uh, is this your transition out or that kind of thing? I'm like, no, I'm only 42. <laughs> Or so. So, no, Close. we, we really enough. believe, and you'll hear this from these guys in just a minute, but we really believe that this is a strategic move for Lakeside Church to move forward. We're all going to do this together going forward. We think God has an amazing future for us here in this place, in this community, in this region, and we are all going to share in being a part of that, and we are all going to share in being a part of that. And today, we just want to take some time to cast some vision and say, here's where we're heading together as Lakeside Church. Good? Good. All right, so let's give them something good. So, John, why don't you start this off, and uh, you have some background with, uh, with shared leadership in your church in Michigan. Why don't you just give us a little bit of a flavor of what it's like? Yeah, I do. I was part of a, a shared leadership team. There were three of us that led the church for a while, and, and one of us, our friend Randy, passed away, uh, and then it was two of us leading for a while. But that was kind of the phoenix that rose from the ashes. It was... Um, 
we had some uh, struggles at the church. <laughs> Actually, the, the day I got into Michigan 11 years ago, my first day was the founding pastor's last day, and that first year was real tough. Um, and God, uh, we, we looked at ourselves one day, a couple of us in the office, and said, I, I think we lead this church, right? Is, is that what's going on? And we talked to the elders, and they said, absolutely, we want you to lead. And, uh, but this wasn't the phoenix that rose from the ashes. This thing didn't happen out of catastrophe or, or uh, you know, nothing was bad. As a matter of fact, when Brad called called me uh, a year ago. I was in Chicago with a team, and, and we, were, we were having a fantastic time. A- absolutely no reason why I would want to leave Michigan at all. And uh, Brad said, you know, I, I think God wants to have you come back on staff here. I want you to start thinking about that. And I was like, well, he hasn't told me that yet. And, and <laughs> what, what would I do if I came back? And he said, I don't know. And I was like, dude, you're not selling this. You know, and this is you know, yes. sales 101. I don't right. know what you do. Just come. So, that's right. But we began talking and we committed that we were going to pray together. And uh, Sean was part of that conversation. And this is what came out of that. Uh, the thing that's very exciting for me is to come onto a team. The reason that I wanted to move my family back 2,000 miles and invest in this community once again uh, is in part because what I see in these guys and knowing uh, that I really don't want to lead a church on my own. I, I want to share that with somebody. And to see, when I see Sean doing what he does, uh, with his Seanness, and when he's the when he's the, the best, Sean has Seanness. Yeah, he has Seanness. When 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 he does that, I go, man, he does that so much better than I do. And when I see Brad and your Bradness, you you can play too. Ah, uh, good. I, yeah. I, uh, I do Bradness I go, better than you do. That's you do Bradness better than I awesome. do, and that that feels good. I've been and so practicing I, for forty two years. What's that? I've been practicing Bradness. That's right. Yeah. Well, practice makes permanent. Keep, right keep on. Going on. That's right. That's right. So uh, it's exciting to be part of this uh, because uh, we believe that God is doing something special uh, with this particular mix uh, of leadership at, at this mm-hmm. time. Uh, and so it feels good to be invited into that. Yeah. Glad so, you're here. Thanks. Man. And uh, glad to share this with you guys. Sean, why don't you give us a little bit of, um, let's put some biblical foundation to this. We don't think that this is how every church should be led. We don't think we've done it wrong for the last 28 years. This is a season that God has led us into that we think is beautiful. And there is some biblical precedent for that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have you read a passage in just a minute, but there's there's just a lot of room for how to lead church that the New Testament gives us. In fact, all throughout the story of God, you see this team leadership going on. I mean, it starts with God himself, right? We worship a God that is three in one. And so we are created in the image of community. And as we see the story unfold, we see the healthiest environments where there's a plurality of leadership. And so there's a reason why Jesus gathers 12 disciples around him. There's a reason why he sends his disciples out two by two. There was a reason why Paul didn't want to be alone. He wanted to be with Timothy or Silas or Barnabas or Epaphroditus. He, he did ministry in community. They made decisions in community. They wrestled with the complexities of life together. And so we just believe that this is a pattern that we are free to follow. And, you know, there's a, there's a belief these days both inside and actually outside of the church. 
you'll hear this once in a while where somebody will say, well, really, it's all about love. You know, you'll read that on Facebook. It's love, it's love, it's love. And we, we actually believe that, that it's, it's about love. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 13, he has this chapter, and it's called the love chapter. And you'll, you'll hear it read in weddings sometimes. And at the end of it, he says, the greatest of these is love. And, and what's remarkable about the love chapter is that it's sandwiched right between two chapters that are all about the amazing, beautiful diversity that God has created us with. I mean, we are, we are different. We have different giftings. We have different passions. We have different experiences. We are shaped differently. And I believe that one of the reasons why he puts that together that way is because the way that this mission of love is going to be accomplished in our world is through the beautiful differences and the giftings that God has given us. And so we are launching this off just saying, what could God do with our differences, with our differences as a community of faith? Yeah. Yeah, so this passage in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, describes it this way. Paul says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And so part of what we're saying as we share this role of leadership together is God has given us His Spirit, but it looks different in every one of us. And through the uh, gifts that Sean has or the gifts that John has or the gifts that I have, through each of us, you will see the Spirit of God manifested or made known, made known differently. And that's not just true of us three. That's true of all of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have gifts from His Spirit, and they make you unique. You are uniquely set up by God to be able to make Him known in this world because of the gifts that He's given to you. And so we're just trying to live that out together as a leadership team. Mm. There's this other passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 that's often quoted at weddings as well. Uh, this is a cord of three strands. It's not easily broken. And the, the verses surrounding that whole passage uh, talk about, you know, when one person's down, the other person can be up. And um, yeah, certainly, I like that you said we haven't been doing it wrong for the past 28 yeah. years. But it is great to look throughout scripture and say, you know, I, we could tell you a lot about the churches uh, that we hear about in the Bible, but, but you'd be hard-pressed sometimes to find out who that one leader was. There were a lot of people involved in that. And what I love about this kind of leadership team, the shared leadership model, is that um, one person doesn't have to be superhuman. Uh, you can actually be just a real human. And there's going to be days where one of us comes in and says, guys, I need you to pick up the slack because... I'm not feeling it today. There's pain in my family. There's things I need to deal with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we can pastor one another through those things as, as we pastor the church. So very exciting times. Although, although Sean does have a Superman shirt. I do. I've heard. Yeah. I'll show you later. I'll let you wear it's my okay. cape. I'll let you wear my cape. <laughs> okay. That's fantastic. As you're riding your Harley. That would be good. You look good. Okay, we'll back in. Uh, so. Yeah, no, in Seriously. The, yeah, in the Old Testament, there are different kinds of leaders that served the nation of Israel. There were prophets, and there were priests, and there were kings, and they all carried different roles. They had different gifts, and they carried different roles. And we thought maybe one way it would be helpful for the church together to understand like what it is that we're about and what we're trying to do is to give some titles to what we do. Now, our, 
our like official pastor or pastor, our official pastor is title. Wait, <laughs> our official title is pastor, but we've taken sort of some whimsical looks at what we do and, and put some whimsical names to that. So Sean, why don't you describe your your title that we're going to use for you. Yeah, these, these are just fun ways to kind of unpack what, what yeah. we do. And so we gave the name Navigator to me. And for most of us these days, Navigator is in here. You know, you press the button and Siri tells you or somebody tells you, tells you where to go. But really, in the old days, Navigators, what they would do is they would want to know where the vessel is headed and they would want to make sure that they knew exactly the condition of the vessel along the way. And in this case, the vessel is the community of Jesus right here at Lakeside. And the navigator wanted to make sure that that community was healthy or that vessel was healthy and that we are actually going to get from point A to, tw- to point B. Because we want to arrive at some destinations. We want to break through some goals. And so I ask questions all the time about where are we headed? How are we going to get there? How are we doing along the way? And so I have lots of strategic conversations and, uh, you know, with our amazing staff here and some volunteers. And then I also have a lot of difficult conversations because we want to be healthy and whole when we arrive to where we're headed. And sometimes, believe it or not, I mean, we're not perfect. We kick sand in each other's faces as we're playing in the sandbox. And so we get to have those conversations about health. And I, I have an amazing team that I, that I work with. I did student ministry for 20 years, and I am passionate about student ministry. And we, I, I don't know if you know this, but we just launched our small groups in student ministries and in all three of the environments, in our high school and then our middle school girls and our middle school boys, we had the largest attendance for a launch that we've ever had in small groups. Is that phenomenal yeah, or what? Very cool. And so uh, Doug Roush and Kevin Kent are, are doing a great job over there, and uh, we, we get to serve also with an amazing Kids Fest ministry, our children's ministries. Many of you are at Lakeside because our phenomenal children's ministries, and so Ramey Romer leads that charge. I get to work with her, and then Carl and Lisa, who are uh, developing pathways for spiritual maturity, because we, we do want to grow up, right? We want to continue to grow Uh, into maturity in our walk with Jesus. And so that's a never-ending process for us. And then, of course, um, all of our business and HR stuff uh, with Mike Clockenbrink. And so I get to work hands-on with these amazing leaders every day, and it's just a blast. Yeah. Awesome, Sean. Thank you. John, your title is uh, maybe the hardest to grasp because it sounds like you work in a museum. I do. I do work in a museum of sorts. Yeah, yeah. My, my title is the curator. And yes, you do hear that in museums. You hear that in the world of performing arts as well. And a curator is, is a gatherer of moments, really. Uh, everything you uh, touch, taste, see, hear, smell on the weekend at Lakeside or anything that we do out in the community, my job is to pull teams together to uh, create experiences that are worthwhile, the kind of experiences that you want to write home about, uh, the things that are engaging, uh, things that move us closer to God, things that are very imaginative, things that are very participatory. And so that's what a curator does. And and I get to work with uh, Steve Wright over in the family room, everybody over there in the family room. You've got a fantastic leader over there building on some wonderful things that have already been going on for the past while. I'm excited about what's happening with Steve 
over there and then outreach and extension beyond. I'm working with the worship arts teams. I'm working with the communications team and I'm working with guest services as well. So it's a good, it's yeah. a good role for me. It feels great. Awesome. Yeah, moments and experiences that we're going to share together. Yeah. Beautiful. And my title will be storyteller, sort of like the tribal storyteller among us. My One of my delights in this whole process is by being able to focus on the gifts that God has given to us frees me up to use some of the gifts, my best gifts that God has given to me and let some of the other things that I'm not as good at or gifted at go to some others. And so I get to tell the stories. I get to say, here's here's the story of God. It's in this book called the Bible and let's break it out. Let's break it open and let's see what God's saying in the story of God through scripture. And then let's just take that further as we've been doing all these years and say, let's take that story into our lives. Let's figure out how this story gets played out in our lives and how do we engage in the story of God from here going forward. And so that's, that will be my primary role. These guys will be on the speaking team as well. So like Sean just did a series, God Uncensored, last month, which was fantastic. And uh, John, I appreciated the uh, theology of fun and humor this last weekend. So they'll share that with me. But my primary, the primary one who's communicating and leading in that role will be me as a storyteller. So... That's how we'll go forward with that. Tell us a little bit, John, let's, let's jump to you with this. You've already had some influence as the curator, kind of creating some moments and experiences for us. Why don't you describe some of what we maybe have seen, but people were scratching their head and going, Where, where'd that come from? Yeah, right. It came from you and from your team. <laughs> well, yeah, a, a fantastic team of people. So it, it's great to dream with these people about creating uh, experiences here at Lakeside, uh, particularly on the weekend, I enjoy this. Um, everything that you've been seeing out in the lobby over the last few weeks, which we are calling hashtag Lobby Life. Um, is everything with ha- the, is that how you do hashtag? That's that's yeah. It's exactly. Like, this is hashtag. That's right. <laughs> you have to know the finger lingo, or you're not right. in. He's hashtag. only 42. He doesn't. It's all right. That's all right. Catch up to speed. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, live music in the lobby, which Chris Rollins did a fantastic mm. job out there this morning. And uh, Family Room, you're going to start seeing some live music over there, too. Um, There is art on the walls out here. We're inviting artists to respond uh, to, uh, specifically in this case, we ask them to respond through their art uh, with what it means to find hope in the midst of pain. You can read those artist statements out there. Uh, So creating uh, things out in the lobby. And then uh, even here on the weekend, we've already toyed around with a few imaginative participatory things. Uh, You've seen a a, a greater um, emphasis on feature music, which I think the band did a fantastic job with that Ryan Adams tune today. Uh, We're mining for stories. We're telling stories through video. You're going to see a lot more of that. Uh, The way that we've experienced communion here over the last uh, few weeks, the last few times we've done this, you know, it was wonderful to have a a banquet table going down the center of the auditorium and being invited into that and participating in that. Uh, So hold this space loosely too. Uh, Next week you're going to come into the space and it's going to look different. Uh, We are paying attention to an overall aesthetic more than we ever have, and uh, there are good times ahead. Awesome. I can't wait to see what an overall aesthetic looks like. It looks, it looks amazing. <laughs> it looks overall. It looks overall. Yeah, it's good. And aesthetic-y. Right. And it's, yeah, good. Okay, that's perfect. Um, so next weekend, as we, as we launch this overall aesthetic, we're also going to launch a new series. That'll be part of my, it's part of my responsibility. We're going to start a series called, I Know You Are, But Who Am I? And uh, we'll unpack that phrase for you next week, but the idea is we have an identity in Christ. I'm going to spend some time just thinking together about what that looks like and what that means for us. 
And that's part of my role as storyteller. But another part of that role is to be casting vision, to do things like what this weekend looks like. And uh, part of this was kind of drilled home for me when we hosted the Leadership Summit last month. And Bill Hybels got up to speak. And he talked about the, uh, the intangibles of leadership. And, you know, I've done this long enough where I, I know there's a lot of intangible things that get put into the leadership bucket that we have to pull out and we have to use these things. And I'm listening to his talk. And he gets to the end of the talk. And he says, and every leader has this intangible thing inside their heart that is the thing that keeps them up at night. It's the thing that wakes them up in the morning. It's the thing that drives them forward. It's the white hot why of their life. It's the white hot why of their organization. It's the white hot why of their ministry. And as soon as he said it, I'm like, oh, I, I know what that is for us. It's not, it's not a question. It's not like a mystery. It's like, oh, I wonder what our white hot why. If you have to wonder what your white hot why is, it's not white hot. And as soon as he said it, I'm like, I know what that is. It's to transform as many people as possible into passionate and productive followers of Jesus. And we say it all the time and we write it on the wall and we go, this has to be what happens. And for the last 28 years, we haven't had that phrase the whole time, but most of that time we've had that phrase for the next 28 years or beyond. That phrase is going to color what we do. But sometimes we have to stop too and say, well, let's look at it in a little shorter run Version. Let's see what it looks like this year to say let's transform as many people as possible into followers of Jesus. And Sean, I think as a navigator, you can kind of lead us through into like what, what's this year going to look like as far as the, the vision goes, the mission goes. Yeah, because that, that mission of transformation does just get us up in the morning. We just believe that God wants to transform lives. And every once in a while, we have to sort of circle up again and go, but how is he going to use us to do that in this culture that we live in? And so we, we don't want to just look back, as Brad was saying, we want to we press on forward. And one of the things that comes right after that statement, that word of transform, is as many people as possible. And we, we just believe that, that we haven't reached as many people as possible. And I don't know what that number is. You represent as many people as possible. But this culture that we live in represents that as well. And so we're constantly asking, how do we do that more effectively? How do we reach out to more and more people with the love of Jesus? And so about a year ago, we were in one of these strategic meetings. And we were asking that question, what does God have in store for us in this next chapter? And I had been in my own kind of quiet time meditating a lot during that season on the incarnation. And I began to think that the incarnation, this idea that this amazing God of the universe, this God that is holy and perfect over everything and loves everything, actually entered into the world, the world that was messy, the world that is messy, and chaotic, a world that's filled with pain, and he enters into that world as a baby, and he grows up and experiences what it means to be human, and then he dies, and he is raised again in power. And I started to think, oh, maybe the incarnation can actually inform us on how we can see every single human being, how we can see uh, how God wants the church 
to enter into the culture. And so I just sort of blurted out in this meeting, we've got to enter into the pain. We've got to enter into the pain. We've got to find the pain in our culture. And I said, where is the pain in our culture? And Steve Wright was sitting on the other side of the table. Steve Wright over there in the family room says, the pain is in the family. And we looked at each other and we went, oh yeah, that's true. Every single one of you know the pain in your family. Maybe it's your immediate family. Maybe it's your oikos, that Greek word for extended household, those 8 to 15 people that God has sovereignly placed in your life. You know the pain that is there. And that started to resonate around the table. And Brad, um, just a few minutes after that, says, but what about hope? Because we just believe that there is hope. We have an amazing God of hope. And what about this mission in the world that he launched 2,000 years ago, this mission of hope? And he says, oh, the hope is in the church. We are actually on a mission of hope. And so uh, uh, fast forward maybe several months or I don't know how long, and we're kind of talking about this and wrestling with it. And we're thinking this is what God is up to, and we've got to learn how to see everybody through this lens. We're in a meeting with John, the three of us, and just a beautiful meeting up in the mountains in a cabin, and John says, we, we need to find the pain and be the hope. And it's like this light went on in my, in my head, and I thought, oh, that's how I need to see every single relationship that I have. I need to be asking the question, where is the pain, and how can I be hope? And so we are on this mission, and, and there's all sorts of... Of pain, if we had the time to just unpack every story that's represented just in this room or over in the family room, there would be a diversity of pain. And uh, man, I wish I wish that we could do that, but we actually do have one story that we'd like to unpack a little bit with you this morning through a video. So watch this story of pain and hope. We were in the beginning process and um, thought we would have to wait a year or so for this process um, to find a child, find a birth mother. There was a birth mom that was slotted for another family, so we didn't have a lot of warning. It was a couple months, mm -hmm. and so we had our plane tickets, you know, everything was going smoothly. I was shopping for a stroller at Babies R Us, and I get this phone call. Um, you better get on a plane and get out there. He's being born. Got him and he was 17 hours old. It's hard not to talk about it, get <clears throat> uh, emotional, but you know, he made me a dad uh, for the first time. And um, that was something to tell, you know, take with me forever. As months went on, I questioned a few things. Um, I didn't think that he was developing in the same way as friends kiddo. Um, just agitated a lot. Yeah. I started crying, you know. And Understatement. Doctors were like, well, he's just a baby. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll get over it. Pacing every night with this curdling scream, and we would take turns pacing the hall. Yeah, so the worst news ever. I mean, you don't walk, talk, hear, see, um, and you probably won't live through the winter. And um, you have to process that and uh, some, you know, soul searching. And you know, I, I was in the service. I was in the navy, and I was like, not on my watch. You know, I'm, I'm a dad, and 
I got this beautiful baby that you know the good Lord's given us, and I am uh, going to be His father, and she's going to be His mother, and um, we're going to raise him to the best of our ability. I feel like we're the lucky ones. Not change a thing. We're put on a path, and, and this is where my path is leading me. And he was going to lead us. He's still leading us to, you know, where we need to be, and puts it all in perspective. And you have a bad day, and you come home, and he's just smiling. And I thought it was real important to get back into a church and a community. And uh, like I said we found our. Our home at Lakeside. When I met Sherry, and I was just like, oh my gosh, how perfect this is. She makes it all happen, and I think it's a big reason why we are at Lakeside. I don't want to leave um, Gavin and Carson out of the equation. Ian is technically our special needs guy, but uh, Gavin and Carson had a rough start uh, from foster care. But, um, yeah, they're doing amazingly well. Yeah, they love they love the brother. He loves the, his brothers. Um, you know, they, they push him in a wheelchair. He knows they're pushing him, and they get on next to it, and he's got the gigantic smile. So it's uh, it's pretty special. Don't give up hope. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of kids out there who need and need a good family, need stability. I can't imagine listening to those people saying, "Oh, we'll give him up. Just walk away." You don't give up on these kids, and. Um, and uh, you know the journey is just starting. He's such a gift to us that we didn't know we needed or wanted. He was uh, destined for this mm -hmm. and for us. Our, that's our mission, to find the pain and to be the hope. And what, what a beautiful story of how the incarnation is lived out, this family living out the incarnation. And I find it remarkable that mom and dad talk about little Ian being a gift and the best thing for them. This is the counterintuitive way that the love of God works in our world that we get to go sit with somebody in their pain and be with them and unpack that, provide hope, and our lives explode with the richness that God intended them for. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And there's all sorts of pain, right? There is a spectrum of experiences that we go through. And part of what we want to do as, as a leadership and, and as a church is is just do the best that we can to facilitate ways for you to find pain and be hope. And so there's a lot of different things that are going on these yeah. days and things that we want to invite you into uh, to help facilitate that. Yeah, when we 
when we think about, when our whole staff gets together and thinks about what activities do we need to create or what events do we need to create that will, that will create an opportunity for us to find pain and be hope, uh, or w- w- when we create those activities, we're looking for that. How do we build a way that we can bring people with pain into a hope-filled situation? So nobody's pain is the same. It's all different. Uh, we're going to do a series next win- this next winter called We All Live in the Same House, which means we're all alike, but it's all different. And so, you know, I've already raised my children through the toddler years and through the elementary years and through the teen years, and I've got one of them past the 20 years already. And uh, all those stages come with pain. And some of you are, you're, you're probably you guys over on this side, or some of you in the family room, you've got little toddlers running around, and there's certain pain that goes with a lot of joy, a lot of fun, but a lot of pain. You've got teenagers, there might be pain, just guessing. <laughs> so... You know, so we, we connected. We're going to do a, a seminar in October called Parenting Today's Teens. And we're going to bring Chap Clark in, who is a professor uh, uh, at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena. He's an expert on teenage relationships and, and the teenage journey. And uh, we're teaming up with the Folsom Cordova Unified School District to bring him in and to host this seminar, not just for Lakesiders, but for us and our friends who have teenage children. And to be able to invite them in and say, hey, we know there's pain in our lives because we're raising kids and it's not always easy, but we're going to be the hope in the midst of that. And that seminar that's coming up the end of October is one way we're designing to address that issue. Yeah, and there's lots of different environments that we're trying to create. And so, some people, you know, you, you need a parenting seminar. Chap Clark wrote a book called Hurt, and so I, we think that he has his pulse on the culture of today's parenting teens and and that sort of thing. Sometimes you just need to play together, quite frankly. We live in a culture in this region that is extremely driven. I mean, many of you are driven and we're success-driven and we're busy-driven and we got all these things in our lives. And sometimes, quite frankly, last week was a great example of theology of fun. We need to play together because that's where we start to bump into our friends and we kind of let down our inhibitions a little bit and those people in our oikos and we say, hey, how's it going? No, no, how's it going really? So we're going we're gonna to actually host on this corner, which is a phenomenal location in this city, a fair where we're going to have rides and there's going to be cotton candy and it's going to be a blast. And we just want to invite people to come onto the campus here and laugh and have fun uh, just as a way to facilitate those conversations and relationships to take us to those, those deeper places. Some, some of you are in those deeper places, and you're searching, and you're, you're going, okay, God, you're doing something in my life, and, and you want to get into one of our grow groups where you can wrestle with these things, and you can start to dialogue in community, in the scriptures, together. What is God up to? And some of you are starting that journey of, uh, of Christianity uh, in, in the faith and with, with Jesus, and you're wondering, what is this all about? And, and this Tuesday night, actually, we're going to have a class called the Begin Class, where it's kind of Christianity 101, and was it, what is it all about, and what's the story of God, and, and, and for some of you, you're, you're feeling, feeling drawn into that, like, like you're feeling drawn into baptism. I mean, baptism is an explosive example of pain and hope. You have this beautiful image that tells this story of God, the death, burial, and the resurrection, this explosion of new life. And some of you are being drawn into that. We'd love for you to come on Tuesday night. We're going to unpack what all of that is about. And at the end of this month, 
we're actually going to party because we party when we do baptisms here at Lakeside Church. And so we have one coming up at the end of the month. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Lakeside has been part of my story for 28 years, yeah. you know, my family story. And what I'm excited about this time, more than any time over the last 28 years, is that I feel like um, we are more than ever saying uh, we don't want to play church. We don't want to go through the motions. We want to create experiences and invite people into our lives, and we want to invite them into something special. The Diffleys, we wouldn't know their story unless they invited us into their home. You know, and, and a four-and-a-half-minute video rocks our world. Uh, imagine if we had that same kind of invitational outlook to give people the backlot tour of our lives, be it a parenting seminar or, or, or a, a corner fair, something that's happening down there, or what's happening here on the weekend, or inviting friends to baptisms, or for crying out loud, inviting people to lunch instead of retreating to our homes after church on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, I think now God is doing amazing things, as he has been for 28 years, but there's something very special, and, uh, and I'm glad that, that we're back and part of that. Yeah. Yeah, and we're glad you're back here and being a part of it too, John. So thank you for that. We have wanted to share this stuff with you today. We've been, we've been looking forward to this day for six months just to be able to say, here's where we're going, and then we want you to be engaged. We want you to know what we think God is leading us into as a church. We want you to engage with that, that God is leading us into. And we know that you are all in different stages in your spiritual journey. We get that. But I just want to ask you, as we wrap this up, I just want to ask you to fully engage, wherever you are in it, fully engage with it and fully invest in it. Um, if, you, if you will fully invest in what God has called us into together as a church, you will see your heart be fully changed. And if you partially invest in it or partially engage in it, you might, you might get lucky and be partially changed. But who wants that? And I want to invite you to be all in. I want you to be in, all in in the, in the events we're doing, the activities we're doing, the experiences we're sharing, the studies that we're doing, so that you are fully changed, all the way transformed as a follower of Jesus. Part of that, a little bit of that, is we give an offering, and you, if you're a lakesider, you know we do offerings week by week. It's not just to raise money for the church to, you know, prosper, although that has to happen, obviously. It's really an opportunity for us to say, this matters to me, and I'm putting all of myself into this investment that I'm making in the church and the, and the ministry God wants to do in this church and in my life. And so we're going to give an offering here in just a moment, and I'm going to invite you to do something uh, for this today. I'm going to invite you. We, don't, we, don't, we usually let you sit down through the offering. It's probably easier, but we're going to have you stand up today in a moment. And in the family room, I'm going to invite you to stand up in a moment as well, because I want us all to stand together in this. Now, there's a few of you, or maybe many of you, that this is your first weekend at Lakeside, and you're like, I, I don't know if I'm committing yet. So when everyone else stands, you just stand up, and it'll be okay. You get a pass, okay? You're just standing, so you're not the only one sitting down. But for most of you, you've been here for a while, and you're like, that, that's it. That's the song of my heart. I'm in for life change. I'm in for transformation. I'm going to make this investment into this ministry that God has called us to. We're going to stand together. We're going to pray together, and we're going to invest together in that thing that God's calling us to do and be. Okay, so let's stand together. We're going to pray together. Then the band will come and lead us in a song, and we'll give an offering, and we'll seek God out together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your great gifts to us. Over and over, you've poured out your gifts to us, and even this journey that we're on today where we 
recognize how much you entered into our pain when you sent your son Jesus into this world. You entered right smack into it. And so thank you for that. And the reason you did that was because you wanted to bring hope in the midst of that pain. And so thank you for that as well. Lord, we're in. We stand before you because we're in. We're going to give an offering today and through this year because we're in. We're going to show up in a grow group or in, uh, at the corner fair or at parenting seminars or whatever that is because we're in. And we want our community to be in and we want our neighbors to be in. So, Lord, accept what we give to you, heart, soul, mind, and strength to do your will, to be your people to be on this journey with you. We love you. We trust you through Jesus. Amen.